Hey y'all, thank you so much for clicking on yet another episode of Pages from My Notebook, a True to Life podcast. My name is Erica, I'm your host, and today we're talking about episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I forget what it's called at this current moment, but I'm calling it Nuck If You Buck, because if you saw the episode, everybody's shooting, we're fighting, gat tone, pistol holding, niggas on your damn street, like everybody was trying to get the smoke. So if you want to get into all the craziness that happened in episode three, keep on listening. All right, episode three, I figured it out. It's called Power Broker. Not sure how I forgot that because that's like the main theme of this episode, but I was a little bit frazzled in the beginning because the document that I have my notes on, I couldn't find it and I was about to fight, but we got it back. We got it back. So everything is good. All right, I wanted to start off this recap of episode three talking about the end of episode two because I don't know if it's just me or if I need to watch these things twice, but I, like, it. certain stuff doesn't click for me. Like, the storyline makes sense, like, after the fact. What I missed in episode two was that we know that the Flag Smashers are super nice. Like, that's not a question. Like, they've taken the serum, they have it. So that, I missed that. I thought they were, like, trying to figure it out, but they... They put that together (laughs) before I did. The second thing was I misinterpreted why Bucky said if Steve was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me to Sam. I thought he said that because the government didn't choose Sam to be the new cap. But actually, Bucky was saying, if you gave the shield away like it was nothing, maybe Steve was wrong about you as a person not being worthy of it. And thus, he was wrong about me for all the same reasons that I listed in the other episode. If Sam wasn't really who he thought he was, you know, down for the shield, then Steve was wrong about that. Then he was wrong about everything about Bucky, given that he's a winter soldier, killed a bunch of people, trying to redeem himself, but he's not really worthy of it, etc., etc. At the end of episode two, Sam and Bucky decide, okay, we're stealing this shit back for our homie Steve, pour one out one time. <laughs> I just I just thought like, what if they made Steve like those airbrushed t-shirts, like when he passes away? <laughs> like like, <laughs> like how black people do where he's like photoshopped into some clouds. Can you imagine? Anyway. <laughs> oh, I just thought again, what if they show us Steve's funeral at some point? Oh, damn. That would be really sad actually, but kind of cool to see. I'm I'm getting off topic. <laughs> that's what I missed on Glee. No, I'm kidding. That's what I didn't pick up watching episode two for the first time, but I went back with some recap and got it together. Also at the end of episode two, Sam and Bucky, all right, we're going half on the shield, then we'll go our separate ways, allegedly. And they're ahead. They have a leg up on bootleg Steve and his little friend because they're working with Zemo, who they're going to... Well, in the episode, we <laughs> they 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 get him out of his situation because he has information on Hydra, who was the organization that was fallen, but hired a bunch of people to replicate the serum so they could do evil things with it, right? Everybody's caught up. We're good. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, so episode three opens with a commercial that's sort of reminiscent of like veteran assistance programs that we see today. It's by the Global Repatriation, Repatriation, 
repatriation. I feel like they made up a new word. I'm going to say Global Repatriation Council, GRC. Okay, we all know what we're talking about. The part of the government that helps people who were dusted that came back readjust to the climate, right? Right. We see a commercial that, you know, any government would put out trying to advertise its services about what they're doing, trying to get people back on their feet. We realize that because this is a facet of the U.S. government, that Bootleg Steve is basically doing the dirty work behind the global repatriate, the GRC. Bootleg Steve is doing the work to get ahead on the flag smashers, get the serum back, save America, question mark, I guess. So we come in with him and Lamar, his little friend, in Germany. So the German man that we saw house the flag smashers a little bit in episode two, who definitely if they come back, they're going to kill him. Well, actually, I take that back because we, we, we learn more about them towards the middle end of the episode. But bootleg Steve comes in, raised the man's home, and they've been through all the other people that have helped the Flag Smashers transfer, run, be on the run, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But obviously, when they get to them, they've escaped, as we saw in that very dramatic scene where the guy got shot a bunch of times, really unnecessarily, because he had time to get on the plane after he did the distraction. <laughs> but I, I kind of like this scene because Bulexi's little friend, he was speaking German. I said, okay, hello, period. We love bilingual black people. <laughs> period i don't know i just black men just speaking languages other than english i don't know if it's because i don't know what he was saying and you know when you can understand what men say like it just frustrates you because it's like why are you saying this but in german it was like all right all right he was getting the job done and i feel like i really hope lamar is not evil like bootleg steve is because that would really break my heart and the last thing we need in this day and age is more black villains I mean, maybe, but you know, like in the terms of the show, like with the racial themes, like I just, can we have black people like save the day for once? I mean, we do that anyway. You know, I'm getting myself into a circle, but basically I hope he doesn't turn into something evil like Marvel likes to do with all of its people. Bootleg Steve, he starts cussing at people, which, not very Steve of you. For someone who claims to have been Steve's baby daddy's dog walkers, hairdressers, second cousin twice removed, best friend, like, it's not, it's not giving what Steve would have gave, right? Language? Mm. Anyway, so. <laughs> Sorry, I just do not like this man. Whose man's is this? Whose set does he rep? the united states government and that's the problem with it but anyway let me not let me not go into hard on bootleg steve because i could be here for a long time he's got a little too much dip on his chip he's stepped into this role and he's out here cussing at people holding people up like tying down hostages trying to be all big and bad and he tells the german man do you know who i am and this this is the first <laughs> this is the first scene where they chose violence this whole episode people were on a thousand because bootleg steve says do you know who i am the german man looks him up and down spits in his face new york versus pumpkin on flavor of love that's what it gave me and that's also <laughs> why there has to be black people in this room because it gave me new york versus pumpkin and you're rooting for pumpkin <laughs> no <laughs> Let me stop. We're going to switch it to where Bootleg Steve is pumpkin. And 
the German man is New York, but you know what I'm saying? But the whole spitting thing, that that's, that's what it gave me. The man says, I do know you and I do not care. I do not give any fucks, which is like, <laughs> just give it up. Pack it up, bootleg Steve. You cannot, you can't compete where you don't compare. And you very obviously cannot compare to Steve. That's the first scene. So basically it's setting it up that Sam and Bucky are so many steps ahead of Bootleg Steve because obviously. And I just want to say that Lamar's costume is way better than Bootleg Steve's, which it's what he deserves. It's very much what he deserves. (laughs) From here, we go to another German city. I think Berlin, we're reunited with our favorite heroes, Sam and Bucky. So they're visiting Zemo in prison. And essentially, he should be in there for life because of all the chaos, turmoil, upset, basically pot staring that he did throughout a majority of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is kind of iconic if you think about it, but he deserves to be locked up, okay, for what he did (laughs) to everybody. We see Sam not really too much here for this. Bucky is trying to break out very hardened criminal from jail. Which, essentially, he's doing to help the greater good. Which is kind of debatable because, really, this mission to take the shield back is a little selfish. But also, bootleg Steve and the U.S. government doesn't deserve. Which is also sort of the arc that we saw Steve go through, the real Steve, when he was deciding if he still wanted to fight for America and what it stood for after how it treated his friends. So there is that sort of two different underlying messages about really why they're doing what they're doing. Sam is still like, this this is crazy. (laughs) But Bucky's like, I got this, just let me do this. He can help us. (laughs) This scene, we see Bucky go in to speak to Zemo. Somehow they get permission to do that. I guess you can have visitors in maximum security prison somehow. Um, But we see Bucky go in and this scene is really cool because we only see one angle of it and what actually happens is much deeper that we learn later in a flashback, which I really love that kind of storytelling in TV shows. That's really cool to me. Bucky, he opens the door and Zemo, the first words he say, he says are Bucky's command words as a winter soldier, which he, he really didn't have to do. <laughs> he really didn't have to do that because for why though? We know why, because he's evil. Well, maybe he, mm, this is hard. See, After seeing this episode, and admittedly, I have not seen the other movies that he was, like, featured acting in, like, the actor was in, but from this episode, he is really funny. I really like him, but I don't know. That's a testament to good writing and good acting, because had I seen all the other movies where he was evil and, like, now me really liking him, that's talent. So Zemo comes in off-rip saying Bucky's command words, and poor thing, he's just... He's been through so much. Like, he really didn't have to do that to him. He has his moment, but he's like, we need you and your knowledge so we can beat these other dudes, get the shield back, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, they go through their whole monologues, you know, talking about all different types of things. I, My notes for this section are not that great. The line that stood out to me was him saying to Bucky, you are a means to a necessary end, which further goes to support The idea that Bucky has never really had control over his life and what he's doing. When we see him in Captain America, the first Avenger, he's going to war because that's what you did in the 40s during World War II. 
falling off the train, becoming a Hydra agent for 80 years, and being controlled by various different people through, like, the rise and rain and fall of Hydra. Like, it's just another layer. It's like, dang, can Bucky catch a break? Can he develop who he wants to be? And isn't even possible at this point after all of this trauma? We, it's a lot. It, it, it's so much. But I thought that was really a good example of building that narrative. In this scene, we only see him and Zemo talking. And then, forgive me if I'm misremembering because I, there was a lot going on. <laughs> but basically, we switched back, I believe, to Sam and Bucky talking about how this is crazy. They're in like a garage of some sort. Bucky is like, you just have to trust me on this. Like, he is our only way that we're going to win this thing. And Sam is like, you're talking about this really like too calmly. What did you do? And so then we go <laughs> to the flashback of how Bucky got Zemo out of his cell. This Rube Goldberg of <laughs> unfortunate events. So basically Bucky, he's walking past these two prisoners playing chess and he drops a note in one guy's lap that says, he's gonna kill you tonight, kill him first. And it's this white man and this black man and he just looks up at each other and the white dude jumps across the table, just hands on the throat, choking out the black guy. They're fighting to the death. Like immediately everybody is here and ready to fight. This episode, everybody is choosing violence. They start a fight. They have to go into lockdown. Then somebody, either Bucky or Zima, I don't remember. No, Bucky pulls the fire alarm and then they have to evacuate everybody. And in the scuffle, like Zemo gets out and he like beats up a guard and he takes his uniform and his badge and he gets out of the prison that way. Everyone's distracted. The prisoners, they they had they had nothing left to lose. They were like, all right, I'm killing with my bare hands. Like, <laughs> what's good? You know, the imagery of a white man attacking a black man, I didn't really appreciate. But we, it got... Uh, I feel like it could have been white on white crime. <laughs> like we need a little bit more of that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm playing. <laughs> There's all this commotion and Zemo successfully escapes from the prison. And so we're taken back to the current scene, which is Bucky and Sam in a garage. And Sam is like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? This is incredibly illegal, incredibly crazy. Because the dude we broke out of maximum security prison is crazy. <laughs> so Sam's he's not he's not really understanding the logic here but Bucky is like remember when Steve and y'all went on the run for me remember that bestie remember that boo okay we're, I'm gonna need you to do it one more again because <laughs> we we have stuff to accomplish and Sam's like well I guess and you can really see the apprehension in his eyes because yes he does want to get the shield back to protect his friend and his legacy and yeah and his legacy and still have that sense of normalcy and someone who he really looked up to but again he just got back into Sarah's life literally because he just came back to life so it's like do I get myself into this crazy mess with the government on the run stealing things back and forth again but he has already sort of involved himself with the flag smashers thing so I guess Sarah well Sarah don't know. We'll get there. We'll get, <laughs> there's so much that happened in this episode. I keep jumping all over the place. 
back to the scene, Zemo is like trying to interject in their bickering. And <laughs> they're like, he is really funny to me. Just his timing and the way he presents himself. He's jumping in. Bucky and Sam tell him to be quiet. And he's just like, all right. All right, I'm going to shut my ass up. <laughs> and then he jumps in again and Sam tells him to shut up. I, it's just really funny to me. Just the chemistry. Marvel, Disney, somehow they're casting. They just get it right. And everyone that works together is just fantastic. Bucky has broken Zemo out of prison. They get away with it seemingly flawlessly up until this point. And they're going to use his information to get further ahead, find out who else has been producing the super serum and where the Flag Smashers are getting it from. So after everyone agrees, okay, we're already on this, he's already been broken out. They go through this garage where Zemo is getting like all these different things out of his various cars because he's hella rich, right? We learned that he was a baron before all the stuff went down in Ultron that destroyed his home country. A double homicide, but... <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Dude, he's hella rich, which helps them evade a lot of shit in this episode, but we'll get into it. They're on his private jet. His butler is just like, welcome back, sir. We missed you. Nobody's questioning why he's out of jail. Like, nobody... Nobody's blinking an eye at this. Nobody is like that concerned or like wondering if things are going wrong. But I guess that's being rich and white for you. I don't know. They were going somewhere in Europe originally, I think. But in this scene, we see them interact with each other. So again, it's these two teammates and this one crazy guy on the loose. Like those kind of, not few, like, um, I don't know what the trope is called, but our protagonists meet like the antagonist who's an anti-hero but they become like good in the end i don't know what that's called but that's the vibe that's going on somehow he's gotten bucky's list of amends out of somewhere and he starts like reading a name off of it and bucky in like zero seconds again chooses violence just hand on the throat says if you touch that again i'll kill you now I'm not, I'm <laughs> not me about to incriminate myself. <laughs> I'm not one for choking and violence. Like I, I, I don't like my throat to be restricted. I got asthma. I need to breathe. But the way, the combination of the throat grab and the low voice, I'm, I was feeling things. <laughs> I was feeling things. I'm not going to lie again to the writers. We say, thank you. And we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna sail on past that i appreciated that detail yeah we learned that bucky's notebook that he has his list of names in was actually steve's that he was writing down all the things that he missed and needed to like look up in culture when he got out of the ice which is like sweet but also incredibly heartbreaking because he is holding on to steve in little ways that he can and sam is like yeah i recognize that notebook and they're talking about like all the things that like Steve was looking up and that culture and things that he enjoyed. And Sam was like, yeah, I told him about Trouble Man. And then they're talking about Marvin Gaye, which we love that for us. Again, black writers, thank you. <laughs> and Sam goes, Steve adored Marvin Gaye, which I just want to say, Steve had the range. He had the range. He may have given up his two best friends to go live in Jim Crow era with Peggy, but he, 
he got it together. <laughs> <He laughs> I'm still mad about that, but he, he had the range. King of taste. Also, in this scene, um, we have Zemo talking about how the idolization of superheroes or just powerful figures gets us into a lot of trouble, especially in America. Um, he's talking about how we idolize super soldiers and then we forget that they're human and we forget their flaws and we overlook them because of seemingly all the good that they're doing. And these people become icons and they have this unchecked power and that's how bad things happen. Things start to crumble and nobody really remembers how because we idolize them to this point where their flaws were sort of not important i suppose and he's talking to bucky he's like remember how you got sent to war to take down a crazed german idol i.e hitler and so we see the demo is like totally against now the distribution and reproduction of the serum because it creates these sort of power imbalances and like crazy figures of people that take over the world and essentially the birth of supervillains that Everybody has been having to fight over the last, what, Iron Man was the beginning, and that was 2008, I think, canonically, and now it's like 2025, so however many years that is in this universe, so it's been a lot, it's been a lot of things going on. Zemo says, we have to go to Madripoor, which is this city in Indonesia, I think? If I'm misremembering, I'm so sorry. We also learned that they're going to have to be, they're going to have to pretend to be a lot of different people. And in order for them to not get messed the F up, Bucky is going to have to be the Winter Soldier once again. So while our trio is flying to Madripoor to get the tea on who has the serum and where it's going, we turn back to the Flag Smashers who are in Latvia and they're in one of the repatriation council camps, which essentially is like a refugee camp for people that have come back but have now lost their homes and jobs and livelihoods because they turned to dust for five years, which is very much not unlike our immigration situation in America. So I'm seeing, I'm picking up what they're putting down here. We see Carly, you know, the leader of the Flag Smashers, watching this woman be very weak and sick and someone is saying you should go to her you know in her final moments and she's very emotional tearful crying holding her hand and this scene becomes very prominent later in the episode and learning more about why she's doing what she's doing and why she's leading the flag smashers cause but we switch in the next scene back to sam and bucky and zemo now in madripoor and this i think it's another case of me misremembering or not picking up on things. They have to go to this club and meet this woman named Selby who has Hydra info connections and knows who is supplying the Flag Smashers with the serum. I believe that's, they established that before we get there, but that's also part of like, obviously knowing what happened because I watched the episode. We get to the club and this is one of the scenes that we've seen in the trailers and like promotional images. To me, they get to the club, it's giving Grand Theft Auto 
it's giving dance central too <laughs> those are the vibes i mean it would be fun but this madripoor place it's like kind of ghetto but like kind of cool it's like cyberpunk it's giving it's giving tokyo drift <laughs> but with a lot more guns and like crazy stuff so they're walking on the bridge before we get to the club and was like he has to pretend to be this other dude named I don't remember. He has to pretend to be this other black guy who apparently is cool and has connections, which, of course, we all look alike. But the picture, it did kind of look like him a little bit. So it makes it made sense. But Sam was like, in the suit, I look like a pimp. And then Simo goes, only Americans would think a well-dressed black man looks like a pimp, which is like, OK, all right, period. Like he's getting more points. <laughs> he's getting more points in my book. He's funny, pertinent on on point, Zemo, he, he's cool with me at this point. Okay, he gets a little shaky in the middle, but <laughs> we're going to keep going. Oh, Sam is pretending to be Smiling Tiger, but he's just some other guy involved with this scene. Somehow, some way that Sam kind of looks like, so that's what they're going to use to get in. And then Bucky is going to be doing his Winter Soldier thing. Because apparently, like, showing off a product of the serum is like a flex which gets them into places and it's like kind of like cool points I guess I don't know but we do see them get in the car and drive into the city and on one of the walls we see a painted power broker is watching and power broker is another that Marvel loves to do another mysterious figurehead who has all the power and all the answers and can essentially solve or plays a huge part in what we're doing why we're here, how the story progresses. So this power broker character comes into play a lot more throughout the rest of this episode, which it already feels like so much has happened, but there is so much yet to happen. <laughs> they they said an hour, okay, bet. We're going to put all of this into here, which again is why I'm mad there's only six episodes, but kind of good because a lot happens within them. So there's a lot to digest and to feed us. Until hopefully we get a second season. Or a movie. Or both. They get in the club. It's not really popping. Again, they're dancing like GTA characters. <laughs> like, like, in the background is kind of... Uh, yeah. They they didn't get a lot of extras. They get in the club. It's, pull, it's basically full of thugs. No, that's like... I feel like a white lady saying that. But basically, a bunch of dudes with guns in leather jackets, bald head scars beards, tattoos, just rough, a rough crowd, obviously dealing in illegal things. So Zemo has beef with this power broker character as he would being a rich white man. That's what they do is create beef with other rich people. This Selby lady is Zemo's connection to the power broker because of Hydra. Like I mentioned before, Bucky has to pretend to be the Winter Soldier again and comply to Winter Soldier-y demands, I'm assuming to establish authority so they can get access to Selby and everybody knows that they might not have all the guns, but they have a ginormous weapon in the form of a human man with a metal arm. So <laughs> we see Bucky basically almost kill these dudes in his Winter Soldier way because Zemo told him to and that's what they had to do to get access to where they're trying to go and it was <laughs> of course it was sweet because 
my men, but Sam asking him if he was okay because we know that Bucky is in therapy trying to work out and hasn't been. Well, at this point, I don't remember how long ago the final fight in Endgame was from this point, but I'm assuming he hasn't been fighting literally physically in quite some time. And we know he still has nightmares about everything that he did as a Winter Soldier. So to have to listen to those commands and do those same movements and hurt people in the way he's been doing for 80 years, it has to be triggering. I don't know how he kept going with that. He's like, I'm cool, which we know he is not good. But it gets the job done and they get to go to Selby, a white lady with her little I got mixed kids haircut. Well, with a dash of like, I don't know, but (laughs) it's different and it's silver. You know how like cool alternative white ladies be when they get like 60 and they have silver hair. So she got like snakes and leopard and like security just chilling in the back. She's like, of course you need something for me. That's why you're here talking to Zemo. And then she looks at Sam and she like purrs at him, which is like, ooh, not the fetish. It's the fetish citation for me. But we knew from the I got mixed kids haircuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in my notes, I said, not the purr, not this. Hate that for him. (laughs) But after we get all the weird stuff out of the way, Zemo offers Bucky, who we know is not the Winter Soldier anymore, but everybody else knows him is. So he offers to trade him in order to get information about where the serum is coming from from Selby, which if she didn't call him on his bluff, like they just would have left Bucky there. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Or if he maybe would have thought that it would work, which I guess it kind of did. But from this meeting, we learned that this dude named um, Wilfred Nagel was employed by the power broker to recreate the serum for nefarious purposes and pays him thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And we learn way more about this Nagel character later on in the episode, <laughs> which, ooh, child, again, they choose violence. This is another point, cue the duck if you buck, instrumental, because everything goes from zero to a thousand. So Sam somehow, I don't know why, after all these years being a superhero, does not silence his phone. And he gets a phone call, which this you know, he could have just ignored it. But no, Selby tells him to answer it on speaker because that's what evil people do because she knows there's some, <laughs> there's something afoot. So it's Sarah calling and Sam is trying to save them because obviously she doesn't know what he's up to because he's doing secret government superhero shit. And they're talking and Sam is trying to like, they're, it's going good. He's like redirecting the conversation. She's kind of like, what are you talking about? But anyway... And then we hear Sarah's kids in the back making sound. And she goes, Sam, can I call you back? And that, everything just takes off from here. Because obviously, they're lying about everything. So Selby immediately orders for them to be killed. Like, just <laughs> just off rip. No questions asked. There's a, there's a kerfuffle. There's a lot going on. Her security is, like, running around. And then somehow... I don't know if they shot her by accident, but there a bullet comes through a window. Selby gets shot in the in the chest. She's out of here. Sam, Bucky, and Zemo are like they're they're booking it and they escape. 
but in two seconds they are wanted for murder like someone gets a text on their phone that selby is dead and there's this huge bounty over their heads <laughs> so i don't know who had the time to send the text but somehow some way they knew that selby got got and these three are responsible for it so almost immediately everybody is trying to kill them like they walk out the club it's just shots it's shots everywhere and i honestly if this was real life they wouldn't have made it because literally everybody on the street is locked and loaded and ready to fight and we're shooting at them <laughs> and they are basically cornered in this alley and they went they weren't even really running too much at towards the end they were like slow walking which I don't know how they had the confidence to do that. I guess if you fought in the apocalypse and came back, there's not much left that could scare you. But we think that they're cornered and that they're going to get got. But then all of their shooters drop dead. And out from the shadows, we see Sharon, gun in hand, cocked, loaded. She shot the sheriff and the deputy. We saw it, it was her. We know we know it was me. And this is like a shock to Sam and Bucky because the last time they saw her, she, she, oh, what was her last appearance? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Was it the movie where she kissed Steve? Which is kind of weird because he's like her like second uncle or something. Anyway, child. Oh, they're like cousins. Because she, she was Sarah's niece, Sarah's, <laughs> Peggy's, <laughs> Sharon was Peggy's niece or something, and she ended up kissing Steve, but I guess at that point, Steve hadn't gone back in time, so, I, well, we don't know about anything about Steve's life with Peggy, so I don't think that they had kids, because they would have definitely came and, like, it been a part of this I'm <laughs> not this rabbit hole I just I just went down but basically Sharon she's been on the run this whole time oh from Civil War was the last time we saw her which I guess was the last time she kissed Steve I need to watch these movies child I know what happened but I I didn't see it so I don't really know exactly what happened but she she's she got that thing on her she saves them and we learned that she's off the grid. She's still on the run. And she can't step foot in the United States because she would immediately get arrested for all that they did in Civil War while Bucky and Sam were pardoned. So from the alley where everybody almost died, <laughs> we go to Sharon's loft and we learn that she is a super rich art dealer now who has like the original paintings like of the Mona Lisa and all these famous artists. And <laughs> we learned that all the paintings and museums are actually replicas and Sharon has all of the real ones I guess <laughs> it was really funny because they had Sam like not believe it and he pulls out his phone and Bucky walks by and say what does Google say <laughs> which is really funny because Bucky's the one that said all the art in the museums is actually fake so again we have our boyfriends I mean our partners I mean Sam and Bucky our heroes <laughs> <laughs> having that little witty banter Anthony and Sebastian coming back out we love to see it from here after we learn about Sharon's backstory and she's kind of hardened and mean I don't know if she was mean this whole time again I'm sorry I haven't seen the other movies but we learn that she's about to have a party and she's gonna help them 
get their answers. And before this, Sam is saying, if you help us, we'll get you pardoned and you can come back and live your life. And she's constantly on the run and dealing with all this dangerous stuff. Because obviously, as we've seen, Madripoor is the ghetto and you can get murked just for existing, which is kind of like America. We see Sam getting changed for the porty. We see his little chest out, his little brown skin, you know, arm popping, muscles, back looking good. Okay, how you doing? Anyway, I, we say thank you to the writers for showing us because it wouldn't be a Marvel production if we didn't see muscular men without clothes on. It just, it's, it's a part of the formula. It would not work without it. So at this party, while Sharon is doing her art dealer thing, making a lot of money, she's saying, okay, I'll help you find the dude that's making this serum because obviously she has connects who can find out those type of things. So the party scene is pretty short-lived. It's not really that important. Um, we see Sharon come up to them. He's like, okay, I found the guy. Let's go. And then it cuts to, assumingly, the next day. And Sam and Bucky and Zemo are led to the shipping container by Sharon because apparently that's where the lab of the guy that's making the serum that the Flag Smashers have is located. And that's pretty convenient that everything was happening in Madripoor. They didn't have to go anywhere, which obviously would have been pretty hard given that everybody is still trying to kill them, which we see come up again <laughs> in this scene, which felt like it's, it, it was a lot for me. It was the action for me. It was the suspense for me. Um, so they go into the shipping container and it's like this secret passageway. And they uncover this lab, which contains the infamous Dr. Nagel that has been making all these serums. And they sneak up on him and they just come out guns loaded and <laughs> they're here to get their answers, period. It was giving very much SVU, very much undercover cop. So Nagel is just doing his thing. And they get him cornered, gun to his head, and he's saying, I'm going to need a counter offer better than what the power broker is giving me for me to spill the beans. And then Bucky is like, say less, and literally puts the gun against his head. He's like, all right, okay, I'll talk. But while this is going on, the bounty hunters have found them, and they're trying to find which container they're in so they can murder all three of them and get the bounty for them supposedly killing Selby. And again, <laughs> this so much is happening at the same time because Sharon is on the lookout, right? And she is single-handedly fucking every single one of these bounty hunters up, like left, right, up, down, choking them out, stabbing, kicking, like flipping over, shooting. She is just on it and there I, I don't think i've ever seen so much murder in such a quick succession and just casually she's like okay this is a problem but she's just like casually killing all of these people and they just keep coming like everybody in the city has learned that they're here so it creates this like very suspenseful Obviously, it feels like there's a timer ticking over the scene, even though there's not, because they're on the inside having an interrogation, and dude is being all slow and dramatic, and Sharon is out here doing the one-two punch combo on like 15 different dudes that keep <laughs> just coming and coming. She's like, hurry up! But while she's finding off all the bad people outside, we learn Nagel's backstory, which was that he was recruited by Hydra, 
to make the serum. And then after Hydra fell, the CIA recruited him to make the serum, which inside job, hello. And they didn't really get anywhere. But then he says that the CIA had a sample of an Ameri- a sample of blood from an American that had stable traces of the serum in it. And Sam and Bucky share a look with each other. And we know, if you pay attention to the last episode, that that is very highly likely a sample of Isaiah's blood that they used to get the compounds to recreate the serum, which is exactly what Nagel did. And it's giving very much Henrietta Lacks, very much using cells without permission, which obviously Isaiah told us they poked and prodded and took his blood and used him and threw him out on the street for their own gain. Which again, adding more to the backstory of why it was so important that there was a black super soldier that nobody knew about that Bucky just kept to himself. But that's <laughs> that's another that's another discussion for another day. So that's how we know how Nagel has been recreating the serum. And he was saying that he had almost had it perfect and then the snap happened and he got dusted and he couldn't work on it anymore, obviously. And when he came back, he had like 20 vials of it or something like that, uh, like some supply. Um, after he got dusted, the CIA had abandoned the project because there was a lot more things going on. Um, the power bro- This power broker character had been funding or decided to fund his research, which obviously pays more than the United States government. So he had been working on the serum again after he came back from the snap and then Carly and the Flag Smashers came in, took all his shit and basically asked him to help make more serum to distribute to the people who are sick or at this point just for the one woman that we saw her next to her bedside who had tuberculosis that we saw in the earlier scenes. And Nagel, he's a typical nerdy white science villain. He figured out how to make this fancy the serum and he had all the answers and he said he felt like a god because he could play with genetics and blah 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 all that stuff that evil villains with scientific knowledge basically do pretty typical and <laughs> meanwhile Sharon is of course still just murdering people and telling him like okay time is up we gotta go and again everything it was already on a thousand now it's on like six thousand Everything goes so fast. Sharon busts in, is like, we're out of time. Zemo, this whole time, has been like walking around. He takes a gun. He shoots Nagel in the head. He's dead. Everybody is running around. They're like, why Why would you do that? Because we need him, like anything else that he knew. And a lot of stuff happens. But essentially, there's one bounty hunter who has like this bazooka gun somehow because in Madripoor, it's literally GTA. And he's on top of the other shipping containers. He shoots it at the one that they're in. Everything is on fire. Things are blowing up. We don't know how this is going to end because of course they're in a science lab. And in every show with the science lab, it blows up. And you don't, you don't make it out of that. So, so, there's so much going on I was literally screaming at my television because I'm I don't know if I'm just sensitive or dramatic but there 
there's so much and i i don't know how else to expend my energy but to scream i had to scream so the crate blows up shit is like everywhere hitting the fan they're trying to get out of here zemo has yeeted out somewhere with the gun and <laughs> just killed dude not for no reason because he was obviously evil as well um <laughs> again we have a funny moment with sam and bucky like arguing about which way to go he's like i said go to the left and sam's like it's in every action movie you go to this plan which is just so funny to me um <laughs> so while they're fighting they're still fighting off the bounty hunters at this point they were not deterred by the huge gigantic explosion and fire of chemicals they're still trying to kill everybody so they can get this money they're fighting everybody shooting people are bullets are flying people are running like nobody knows i i don't know what's going on they i would immediately perish because <laughs> because how how there's there's so much so much going on just bodies just bodies everywhere um so zemo he pops up again somehow and oh how did he do that in my notes it just says he blew up the rest of the people i don't know if he had he no what did he do he shot like a like a gas pipe or something i don't know I know, so Zemo, he saved the day. So essentially all the other bounty hunters that had found them are now dead, blown up, shot, whatever. And they, the three of them get in a car and drive away. And they're, and Sam's like, to Sharon, are you sure? Like, you don't want to come with us and like leave this life behind? And she's like, nah, just get me um, forgiven from the government and we'd be all right. So they pull off, pull off skirt um <laughs> hop in the ride and Sharon just casually walks away after like th this crazy scene with all these dead bodies like who who cleans this up is this just normal for Madripoor like is everybody used to this does their police department just not exist it but uh, uh, either way she everybody just like okay well that was that <laughs> everybody goes their separate ways but we still follow Sharon and we see Sharon just get in this car, which somehow has pulled up and is completely safe and fine. You know, after all of that had happened and this lady opens the door and Sharon goes, we've got a big problem. And then the scene fades. So I have many questions. Obviously Sharon is this hardened on the run, like art dealer, criminal, hasn't seen her family. She gives me very much Quinn from scandal like her whole life got blown up literally because her boyfriend got blown up and she just has this new identity as this whole different person so is she evil is she just trying to make it is she setting them up is she gonna turn them in like are there is there alliance still there there are so many questions to be answered <laughs> woo child that that was too much for me <laughs> honestly it was bordering on too much everything happened so fast and as evidence because only a couple scenes and i i sat there and talked for an hour because of the sheer i don't even have a word to describe it <laughs> just i don't know how anyone is going to get out of this what is the resolution what who who is going to win i don't know uh, <laughs> i 
Let me calm down. After everybody pulls off, goes their separate ways, after literally however many homicides had happened on that day, in that time, (laughs) on that shipping dock, um, we're taken back to the Flag Smashers. Oh my gosh, I'm just literally thinking about everything that just happened. Like, how is that even just allowed in that city? Nobody is concerned. I can't. I can't. I can't. This is fictional. This is fictional. <laughs> but like my brain, I just can't wrap. This, oh, show is so good. We're back. <laughs> We're back. This is why I love this because I can just sit here and talk to myself and I'm talking to other people as well. I love the, this thing we have here. Same time next week. Same time next week. Okay. Finally. We're back to the Flag Smashers. Still, I'm assuming in Latvia. I don't know where that is. Child. No, I was good at history. I can't even say because I was bad at history. But Carly's talking to some dude. I guess another Flag Smasher. Have we met him before? I don't really remember. But we get more of the backstory here. Which is kind of convenient. Just them talking about all that that all that's happened to them and I think that's interesting as well because while all this stuff is happening and all our heroes and characters are in different places we forget that there are still real people and the flag smashers especially they even though they're confirmed to be super nice at this point like they're just people that wanted to help their friends and family and other people like them who were poor and forgotten and had their lives upended literally by the snap. Even though they weren't the ones, they got obliterated for five years. We learn that Madripoor and this power broker guy offered them the only way to survive because they got kicked out of their housing when all the people came back and didn't have a way, you know, to provide for themselves or a place to live or a livelihood or anything like that. They had to go to Madripoor and be serum dealers from this power broker character that had enough money that helped them survive. So Carly's goal was to give the serum to people in the camps and to that woman who we saw earlier, whose name was Donya. Yeah, so she wanted to give the serum to the people so they can be able to save themselves and have superpowers because obviously... If they can't survive being a regular person, might as well be able to like jump off a building and run really fast <laughs> because that'll that'll help you. But honestly, it makes sense when you have no other options. Might as well try some crazy shit and just use your power to get you where you need to go because that's how everyone else around you has prevented you from getting what you need done. So why not be evil too? But they're really not trying to be evil. They're just trying to survive. So now everybody knows that Selby and Dr. Nagel have been murked. And they essentially have the last of the serum. They, the Flag Smashers. And the Power Broker is coming after them because I guess the serum is the way the Power Broker is making their money as well. So everybody's after the Flag Smashers because they have all of the serum. And the Flag Smashers keep moving from place to place. So... I don't know at this point if they've been able to distribute the serum to anybody that they want to give it to that needs it or if they've just been carrying it all these places and flying and driving and whatnot. I don't know like what their final destination is or if they're just like doctors without borders (laughs) and just giving it out to everybody. 
But if that was the case, I feel like we would have seen a lot more, I guess, news stories about like just people becoming super and getting superpowers. But maybe this is still under wraps. I I don't know. Where's Torres at? Because he knows about this. Where is he? I don't, you know, actually, wherever he's at, he needs to stay because I don't want him (laughs) involved in all of this danger. I really like him, but everyone's after the Flag Smashers. They're just trying to help their homies come up and survive. We then learn that Bootleg Steve and them are also where the Flag Smashers are, and they track down this Donya character as a refugee because essentially she is like the motivation for the flag smashers that's who they needed the serum for because that's who they asked nagel for it for so in finding her they're thinking that that's like their end of the line and they just wanted to give it to her but since she passed away that's another lead that's gone so bootleg steve is thinking that Sam and Bucky broke Zemo out of prison and are going under the government's watch to just capture the Flag Smashers, which he's correct. But the thing you also don't know is they come for the shield on that ass, period. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I just really do not like this man. I don't like anything he represents. His fits, whack. His mindset, whack. Everything about him, whack. But I guess he got a little brains because he's on to something. And figured out that Zemo couldn't just walk out of prison, obviously. So we have that scene. And then we also, I think they're back on the plane on Zemo's private jet. But Sam is saying that he thinks he made a mistake or he realizes that he made a mistake by giving the shield to the Smithsonian, even though he thought that was the right thing to do. But he's thinking like all these people have been dying, neglected, like, So much bad stuff has happened because of people chasing after the shield. First, it was trying to get vibranium. Now it's the serum. And it's like, what really does the shield represent anymore? Is it about Steve anymore? Is it greater than him now? Has it always been greater than him? Are they just attributing the shield to Steve and not really realizing all that it has caused inadvertently? It's layers. It's layers to it, bro. If he had kept it, would any of this have happened? Bootleg Steve wouldn't be a thing. But maybe the Flag Smasher still would have happened. But then maybe he could have like got to the bottom of it. I don't know. I don't know. Would he have carried it around being the Falcon? Or would he have just like kept it at the crib? There's, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And in our last sort of transitional scene, I guess, because it is kind of shorter... The Flag Smashers have like raided this facility and tied up, I'm assuming all of these soldiers, people working for the government in the GRC, and they're saying that they had like six months of supplies just like stored somewhere while people were out here starving and needing resources. So they tie up all these people, I guess, in this basement, they're taking the stuff out and they get in the car and then like... Another car blows up and then the building blows up and they're like, there are still people in there, but are they refugees? Are they the people you tied up? Like, I, there's so many questions. Why? Everything is blowing up. Everybody is choosing violence. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. 
So that's that's where we leave them. Obviously, more people are on their case and the flag smashers need to hurry up and get to wherever they need to go because they're on the run. Maybe I missed it, but if they were at the camp where Donya was and they were too late to save her, to give her the serum, then then what? Is that where she's from? I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> Somebody help me out. I need to I need to catch up on the episode so I can go back and read the things because I don't want to accidentally spoil myself. But I know once I watch episode four, it'll probably explain it to me or I'll realize what I missed. But that's where we are. And it leads us to our final scene, which sets us up for a really good episode four. So in our last scene, Sam and Bucky and Zemo have been in the private jet. They're going somewhere. And then Zemo, based on their conversation, redirects the plane to Europe somewhere. Unless that was already where they were going. I'm not sure. But they go to a different location and they land and they're walking through the streets. And Zemo's talking more about how his home country, Slovakia, after Ultron, is basically destroyed and everybody was like, turning to cannibalism and it was just really bad and he was like I bet none of you avengers came to visit the memorial site and they was like damn we surely did not so we learned more about why people are the way they are and how all these things have affected them and that does go back to the conversation of what does this shield represent and more greatly what are we doing as heroes if we destroyed literally an entire nation and all of these people Are we really fighting for the right things? Why should we be fighting at all? Are we doing more harm than good and trying to do good? And that's the ultimate plight of the superhero. And that's why these stories are so successful because there's no right answer. And it depends based on the type of work that the hero does and their powers and their situation and their backstory and their reasonings. Oh, I live. I live for this. Oh my gosh. This is why I don't mess with sci-fi except for superheroes because they're still people most of the time or they have like human-like elements or they're telling like human-like stories through supernatural means. Like I don't want to read about robots and aliens and like whatever Game of Thrones is about. Get me real people that I could see and that just stumbled across superpowers. Give me that. Oh, I love superhero content. I love this. I love this for everybody that we all get to enjoy this at this time in history. Let me stop standing and finish this episode (laughs) because I've been here for over an hour. But they get to this house, apartment, whatever, that Zemo, I guess, has some information in. And Bucky's like, "Eh, I'm going to take a walk because as they're walking up, we see him look down and he retraces his steps and he picks up this bead on the ground and if you are a super fan you know what this is and I didn't realize until the next scene yeah we see Bucky picks up this bead and he walks back he follows some path and he starts talking up in the air it's like I know you're here or whatever he said and we learn that it's one of the oh what are they called what are they called I don't remember exactly what they're called but they're one of the beads from Wakanda and we see a member of the Dora Milaje who was here to get Zemo and then the episode cuts oh my god are you kidding me this is the crossover event of the century this is what we came here for 
our black main lead and they incorporate the universe of one of the biggest and most influential black superheroes of this decade. I, this can't get any better. This cannot be any more of what I wanted out of a show. Just the presence of black women in the show, just that alone, accolades, give them the Emmys. But this, the Dormo, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Y'all, I thought I was tired after watching the episode, after sitting here and talking about it for an hour, going through the emotions again. <laughs> I I don't have the words anymore. <laughs> you see, I just had an, like an hour worth of words. But that was episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I'm appropriately titling Nuck If You Buck because everybody is out for blood and ready to stomp somebody out to get this money, this serum, this pride, whatever people are seeking out in these streets. This show is so good. Can you imagine if this is all a movie? Like, I would watch this for four hours. I would. Three and a half, give it to me. I want the director's cut. Give me every single scene. I need all the context. I need it. I have to stop myself because <laughs> I would just sit here and reminisce about this episode, but I'm so excited. The Dormelage is here. They're going to mess some stuff up. They are going to do what they need to do and bring things in. And also, do we learn more about what Bucky was doing in Wakanda? We know he was out there with the goats. I know somebody taught him how to cornrow. <laughs> I, I just know that this is a thing that happened and I need them to produce the content. I'm telling Marvel, get me in the writer's room. I have the ideas. Y'all come up with the words. I have the ideas, please. I know they taught him how to cornrow. I know he can do the electric slide now. I just, I, <laughs> I just know it. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. But yes, that was episode three, title power broker. Do we meet this person? Is it just like the whiz? It's just some figure behind a curtain? Is it a white man? Probably. Is it Sharon? Oh, can you imagine? Not me writing the plot. Not me writing the alternate universe. Oh my gosh. Wow. Y'all let me know what you think about this episode in the comments. Share it with a friend so we can get the conversation popping. And I'm going to be really interested to see when the final episode is out. Which is that this week? I'm recording this in April, so yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's this week. That's crazy. Why does it have to come out during finals, though? That's really rude that I can't dedicate all my time to talking about this, but <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm about to watch episode four right now, but again, as always, thank you so much for clicking on this episode, for listening, reviewing, ranting, raving, recapping, with me I that's basically all the podcasts I listen to nowadays is people talking about shows that I love and it feels fun it's more like watching it with a friend as opposed to by myself which is how I watch everything because I live alone yay so <laughs> I hope I was a good companion for you talking about the episode reliving the episode I should probably re-watch this because there's so much I probably missed but I really can't wait to watch this series all the way through once everything is out and pick up the little things I missed, girl, it's going to be everything. Let me stop talking and get on to episode four. Thank you so much for listening. 
to this episode and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Pages from my notebook, a true to life podcast is a passion project by yours truly, Erica Barnes. Read episode descriptions and more at pagesfrommynotebookpod.com. Follow the pod on Instagram at pagesfrommynotebookpod and like the pod on Facebook at facebook.com slash pagesfrommynotebookpod. You can support the pod monthly via Anchor at anchor.fm slash erica-barnes slash support. I hope to have you listening again soon.